In my five years as a content creator, I've worked on and put out various kinds of video content, but never once have I strayed from the improvisational style of live streams, podcasts, and D&D content. In fact, the closest I've come to written content is intros like this one right now. Today, I want to get a look into the world of more traditional content direction to learn about the writing and direction for projects like the Storm Chasers podcast, worked on by Dallas McKenzie, who was here just a couple of episodes ago. Today, I'm joined by Michael Shannon, the mastermind behind the project, to teach me all about the work he does as a writer and a director. So settle down, get comfy, and let's learn some things. Okay, hello. Hello, we in this? We doing it? I believe we're doing it. All right. Oh, except you're frozen because I don't have Discord open. Okay, that's the first time, <laughs> by the way. I just want to be clear. That's the first time I messed up an intro. How's it going, man? Welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for having me. Uh, I want to really quickly apologize to everyone in the audience who saw uh, that you were interviewing Michael Shannon about writing and directing and thought, ah, oh, he got the actor from like Shape of Water and Knives <laughs> Out and... And all, whoa, it's about, about, talk, talk about writing and directing. Oh, so cool. And then they just see me. Listen, acting <laughs> has got nothing on writing and directing, okay? This is, we're, we're, in, the, right. we're in the real shit now. We're, in, we're down, yeah. we're in the mud uh, of the behind, the behind the camera work, I guess. But um, <laughs> for anyone who doesn't know, uh, a couple episodes ago, I interviewed Dallas McKenzie, who is a voice actress and works with Michael Shannon on the Storm Chasers podcast. So yep. if you haven't checked it out, please go check out Storm Chasers podcast at Storm Chasers pod on Twitter. Um, but yeah, so this is the man behind it all who we actually talked <laughs> about a little bit already uh, on Dallas's episode. Uh, but I figured it would be a, a great idea to have you on and, and talk about uh, sort of what you do, what, what you sort of you know, your side of putting that project together, uh, getting everyone sort of, you know, <clears throat> casting and, and getting the right people for it. Uh, the first question I want to ask, just right off the bat, is uh, <laughs> who's your favorite member of the cast? Oh, no. Okay, well, so I know that Dallas is in the chat right now. I don't know anyone mm. else. So, I, uh, yeah, Dallas, obviously, for sure. Obviously, Dallas. Oh, of course, of course. Yeah. Of course. Uh, <laughs> now, actually, no, but, you know what? I, I oh. actually play a very bit role in episode two as the attendant uh, in the very opening. So I'm actually just going to say me. I'm, I'm actually the best. You're your own favorite member. That yeah. kind of checks out because <laughs> as I was putting together the intro for this, I want you guys to know that as I was putting together the, the intro, uh, I, I sent it to him, uh, to Michael, just like, yeah, this is going to be the intro, just, <laughs> you know, if there's any issues with it. And he was like, uh, well... You you should probably actually say the very talented, uh, handsome, heaven sent Michael Shannon. So th that checks out that you would be your own favorite member. Yeah. Well, I just wanted to make sure that the intro is accurate. Yeah. Right. Uh, it's yeah. you know I I think I might have cut that there might some of that might be on the cutting room floor right now, but. Oh, that, you know, uh, we'll, we'll come back to it. We'll come back to it. Yeah, it, it'll make it in post. I, I genuinely <laughs> messed up the intro and we'll fix it in post, but I'm not. We'll see about that, that little addition. Um, yeah, so we've never met before. This is basically our first time having a proper conversation other than like yes. literally 30 minutes ago. So, <laughs> I mean, it's it's good to meet you. It's, it's good to hang yeah, out. Yeah, you as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm Duke. I'm 25. Uh, hey, Michael, 29. <laughs> oh yeah, 
last episode was so funny. So I had my friend Ollie on and he literally started out with, I'm Ollie, I'm an Aquarius. And I just wanted to end the episode <laughs> right there, frankly. Um, but yeah, so um, I guess, yeah, just to start off, if since I know literally nothing about you, if you want to talk about your right. background, what you do, what you, you know, who you are. Uh, yeah, sure. So uh, Michael Shannon, 29, Gemini. Uh, <laughs> I am, uh, I'm from Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, and I don't have an accent. Sorry to all those who assume that all Kentuckians have one. Uh, I am a uh, Western Kentucky University graduate. Uh, I went to their film program when it was uh, still very new. Uh, so I kind of was uh, sent through the gauntlet before they knew exactly what they were, uh, <laughs> what they were doing. Uh, nice. But I've been, yeah, I've been interested in film for I mean, basically ever. I mean, we have uh, home movies of me when I was like five years old making a... Uh, like a James Bond movie with my sisters and cousins. Um, nice. And it's very, it's very good. It's very good. I'll have to post it one day. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, it was, uh, it's been kind of forever a hobby, at least, of mine. Um, and then in high school, I joined, we had like a, 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 like a news broadcast, like a live news broadcast they do every day, um, like a video one. And I joined up on that and kind of rose through the, the ranks and kind of learned, oh, I really like, uh, you know, presenting. I, I like editing. I like filming and like for real, for real. And uh, that kind of spiraled into, you know, making movies and then writing and then, you know, jumpstarting that into, uh, into college. And then afterwards, uh, I am, so right now I am a, a freelance videographer. So I do uh, wedding videos and, you know, company ads, things like that, um, to pay the bills. But, you know, really my, my passion lies in storytelling and creation. Uh, and so, you know, that has kind of led me to here, uh, for a long time, I just did, uh, live action video work. Yeah. Uh, but then when the pandemic hit, uh, it became pretty much impossible to get a, a crew together. Uh, you know, we couldn't get, especially in the beginning, we couldn't get 10 people in a room to film yeah. for five hours, you know? Uh, and so that, you know, took a big backseat and, uh, I, it, it really, the whole thing kind of came about where I, I got into, you know, not a lot of movies or shows were being released at the time for the same reason. And I got into audio dramas. I kind of learned about them like, oh, these, these exist and got really into them and kind of realized, oh, this is something that I could do. I could, I could kind of channel this creative energy I have into this outlet and, it's not going to, you know, it's not going to kill anyone, <laughs> uh, yeah, which right. is, you know, always something you're concerned about when making a movie. Uh, and then kind of the, the rest is history. So first, first thing you touched on was a James Bond home video that you put together. <laughs> I, the yeah. one thing that I'm curious about is, did you do the iconic intro with the whole like, like turn to the camera and like shooting and all this stuff, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I, I do. And I don't. I don't think we did. I think it started out with a cold open like they usually do. Uh, and then we had, so, you know, again, I was, I was five and I think the oldest person in the cast and crew was my oldest sister who was probably 11 at the time. And uh, I think we just, we didn't, we were just filming on like a DV, like little mini VHS thing. And yeah. So I think we just had pieces of paper that was like, you know, uh, James Bond in, and then we just, flipped it just, <laughs> right yeah that was that was our our intro it was really professional i think uh, now adele did do our intro song though so that was okay nice. yeah who would have also been probably five or six at the time yeah so that, yeah we really discovered her really early 
that checks out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just now see when you when you put it that way, I picture like Michael Scan level of yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> I I mean I I feel like a lot of people sort of who. Uh, I need to stop talking about Rent and Link on this show, but seriously, I watched them so much. But they, they also, they like, they started out making like stupid home videos and stuff, and uh, you know, with a, a camcorder they got as a gift and things like that. I feel like yeah. that is, that is the start for a lot of people. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, do you, do you, do you have uh, any nostalgia for like working with tape? Did you ever do any editing or anything like that with tape? Uh, I mean, you so, were, now again, you were five when you were making home videos, so I'm not, I'm not like, <laughs> right. picturing a bunch of five year olds around in the cutting room, Cut, like cutting editing. Film and, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But was there an, any point, like sort of, as you were growing up, that you got a chance to work with that kind of stuff? Because I always feel like that's such a cool ritual as a as someone who works in audio, you know, it's it's been a very similar kind of evolution where you've, we've gone mm -hmm. from like literal magnetic tape to, to sure. digital. So I think, you know, I kind of missed out on that era of, of working with tape and stuff. Not that it's easier than it than working <laughs> digitally, but it always seemed like oh, it's, such it's a way cool physical <laughs> medium. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. did you get to work with tape at any point working in video? So, sort of. Um, not growing up, for sure. But when I got yeah. into college, in my, uh, I had an editing course. And actually, I see someone uh, in the chat, a friend of mine, Ariel, she was in that same class. Um, she uh, says, oh my god, more flashbacks. Yeah, it's, uh, we went from uh, you know, the normal, nonlinear uh, digital work to working through tape. And now we weren't, it wasn't film, but going through the tape. And it was... Uh, way harder like i said it is uh, yes yeah it's not quite how i like i can't think that way even though i guess just because i grew up or rather my first editing softwares were non-linear uh mm -hmm. it's so hard for me to think in in terms of that um of doing it through tape and i'm glad that i did it because it's a cool thing to say that i did and i like that yeah. i know that it's almost like i'm a part of this weird bit of film history i guess that no one does anymore um in my own small way, but uh, that's not my, my norm. You know, growing up, I guess you could say I worked with tape in that growing up, I would just have, even as you know, a younger teenager, you know, it's like a 13 or 12 year old, um, when I would be filming on the just normal camcorder, and if a take was bad, I would just rewind the take or the tape and then, and then film over it. You know, so back in a it, way yeah. I did, yeah, but not yeah. not officially, you know. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't know why that was my where my brain went there, but I was just no. Like, it's it's a cool question. I like it. Yeah, like because that seems like such a fascinating and like very like hands-on method. You know, working with digital makes yeah. more sense. It's a lot easier. You <laughs> you can make as many mistakes as you like, but that yep. kind of makes the whole that whole process of working with tape very interesting. It is cool, and I guess. Like you said, it's cool to sort of have that little part of filmmaking history that you will never ever use again. But right. you know, you got <laughs> the opportunity God. to do it. I mean, yeah, it just makes you wonder, like, <laughs> what really was the point of that class? Because I mean, you must have. Yeah, you said you're in you're in college or university, like, kind of been what, ten years ago, maybe. You, like everything was digital still at that point, right? Like, oh my God, ten years ago. Uh, yeah, yeah. So and so we and the, the class was. Uh, for a digital nonlinear class, but there was like yeah. a segment of it. It was, I don't yeah. know, a, a two or three week stint of, of doing tape. Um, he actually, the professor asked us uh, if we, he was like, this is something you'll never use. It's not practical knowledge. This is going to be effectively pointless, but do you oh, all want fair. to do it? Yeah, yeah and we were like, fair. yeah, okay. And so we agreed to do it and 
that's what the did you shoot the stuff from. that you edited or were you just kind of given reels that you were going to just kind of hack at we were just given reels to go for so. yeah uh, someone mentioned the bunny edit, so I, I assume that's what you're working yes, on. Yes, what was the, the video? Um, God, I, it was so long ago. I do remember the name, the bunny edit, and I remember like something about God. I don't even remember. Ariel, if you can remember it, and you know, go for, Steven, <laughs> Steven says porn. porn. <laughs> also, everyone who I ever talk to, and when I say I'm a filmmaker, they're like, "Oh, have you ever thought about doing porn?" Uh, have you and, ever thought about doing porn? Hold on. I mean, that's where the money is. <laughs> but uh, really, no. really? It, if you are a an amateur filmmaker who's not in like Hollywood and working on actual movies, I mean, like, I guess I I could do that, and then I could just sell it or make some kind of I don't know premium uh, uh, Pornhub account and get things. Yeah, I, right. I guess you know I could do something like that. But uh, but yeah, it's a uh, that. So that's I guess where. Money is in regards to if I was going to make a short film or let's say like uh, a pseudo animated uh, audio drama that I'm putting on for free and on a Patreon, I will make no money doing that. <laughs> but, uh, you know. Yeah. <laughs> That's where the money is. Let's go out to L.A., get a freaking, what is it, like Airbnb in some weird yep. millionaire's house and just freaking shoot some porn, dude. That's where the money yeah. is Yeah. That's the dream, baby. That's the dream. Do you actually... Just a completely <laughs> random thought, but like, yeah. Is there anyone it. out there that's like come up with shooting porn and now they're out there in Hollywood that you could? That you uh, I mean, none of? that I none that I know. No? But like, I guess they don't use pseudonyms. Let's be real. Right. Yeah. Right. But that's. Although, uh, I oh. am sure that that's happened. I'm like positive that that has happened before. I was just thinking about pseudonyms. The freaking guy, guy on um, that. What's the what's the criminal investigation show that's uh like like csi and law, and order. Order. law and order yeah, you know, yeah law and order is like there's like a producer on law and order called dick wolf <laughs> yeah now if that's that, not a pseudonym i'm jealous to be honest i know what a, what a great name that i i really hope is real <laughs> <laughs> yeah so okay so from uh, drug unicorns and girl hallucinating is what we have on the, yeah, the edited and, film and th by the way that's starting to to jog yeah. my memory yeah <laughs> so from so from cutting up uh strange drug hallucination uh edits um <laughs> to i guess yeah like you said primarily working non-linear with digital uh what's kind of do you have any sort of standout moments from that time in college things that you <clears throat> shot projects you worked on that you thought were like really outstanding uh absolutely um so one of the first ones i did they had a a uh they called it a 49 hour film festival because it happened whenever the time change happened but uh it was a uh, a, basically a two-day film fest and you know we got the same kind of concept as normal where they they give you a character they give you a like a setting uh a genre prop blah 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 and then we have two days to make it and uh we set out i was the the writer and i was like writer and i guess kind of produce everyone's kind of a producer on a shoot like that because it's so fast but um yeah. i was kind of the head writer for it and we made this uh like cool uh i guess exploration into uh like grief the whole thing was like you know post-apocalyptic world which that was huge back then um still is to be and, honest, especially it definitely still is but like oh yeah. it was everyone was doing it in like 2013 or whenever that was um and uh it was just like a, a 
woman walking through like deserted areas. We, we found like a deserted house that was like falling apart and that was like a dream come true. Um, and it was her listening to uh, a, a voicemail from like her late, you know, insert partner here, right? Husband, boyfriend, whatever. Um, right. which was the line, you know, whatever we had to use, that was the line. And it was the only line of dialogue. And so it was just her going through the old bits of life and then flashing back to what it looked like when it was not a destroyed wasteland as she kept on listening to that voicemail over and over and over with the mm-hmm. idea being that like, she's just kind of, st- and, and like at the end it like reverts back. We see her back at the very first scene. So the idea that she's just reliving the exact same cycle over and over every day, right. she's the same thing. With the idea being that, like, she's gone through all the stages except for acceptance. Like, she's still kind of in, um, I guess, what is it? Uh, it's DABTA, denial, anger, bargaining. Depre- so she's in depression and just can't yeah. quite make that next step to acceptance. And she just cycles. I really liked that one. We got, like, audience choice and something else from it. Um, oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Uh, not, not to brag or anything. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, we got, I did this one that was... Uh, that I wrote and directed, uh, it's called So So You're in a Fight Club, um, with, it was like a series I was gonna start, I wrote a bunch of scripts for it, never really made a whole lot with them, um, where it was the Anything Help hotline, where you could call this hotline and you would get help no matter what situation you're in, and okay. so this one started with this guy calls, and he's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm in a fight club, it's like, okay, uh, how'd you get here? I don't know. I just kind of went down to this basement. Now people are circling me. And there's a, and so we just kept on cutting back and forth where this guy's in a fight club trying to find out how to get out. And the, help, the hotline guy is giving him horrible advice. So we just see him getting like the crap kicked out of him throughout the whole thing as he's just doing his best to get out of it. Um, and so like that one I, I liked a lot. I thought I, it had some good jokes in it. And that was another one. Yeah, that, that, sounds, that, that sounds like a really good skit, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like that one like won some some award at some I don't even remember what it was. I, I think it was like best comedy in something. Um, yeah, because like, so like I was, you said, I was really you, proud you wrote of this. a bunch of scripts, and even now, like after you've mentioned it, I'm just picturing like, oh, a guy whose his house is on fire or something, and he's calling the hotline and getting horrible advice. So like, exactly. You know, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. There was one that was like, like he's like stuck, like a guy was like stuck in a in a haunted graveyard. Um, like I had like a bunch of them. like like uh, I think my girlfriend's a vampire was one that I still really actually do like. Um, I had a lot of little dumb bits that you know maybe they would have worked, maybe not, but that I thought yeah. would be good for it. Oh, I mean, when the like, I was gonna say when the pandemic's over, is it ever gonna end? Can yeah, <laughs> does right, anyone uh, really know? Yeah. Oh, it would be, be cool to see some of those kind of you know brought back i guess yeah yeah uh, I, I might now that i've got more resources too then I, now that i'm not like a yeah. 19 year old in college yeah, i right. actually can do something yeah it could be kind of fun oh you never know though you you know you dig up an old script like that and you read it reread it and it's probably i don't know <laughs> see if it holds really up bad, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right right yeah no i i still saved like all of my every time i wrote a script i would save it somewhere i'm sure i've got them all somewhere and uh have they held up Probably not, but uh, I don't know. Maybe. Uh, and, I mean, conceptually maybe though, could... it, 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 conceptually right. still a good idea, right? Even if the you know the fine details might need a little bit of a little bit of rejuvenation, like that. It, that is. Yeah, a, I can. That does sound do like a fun rewrites. concept. And yeah, yeah same with you. the um, the grief film that you're talking about. Also, mm-hmm. like that is a very sort of interesting concept for a short film as well. Thank you. Um, so, I odd question because yeah. <laughs> So you mentioned basically everyone everyone in that scenario was a producer, but like what is the role <laughs> of a producer? Because in, I feel I've heard in some cases you can essentially get an executive producer credit just by 
putting money into a project. Yeah, so, so like, what, what does that actually mean? The, the producer can be and does a lot of things. And you'll see on most movies, there's like a ton of them. You know, right? they'll, they'll be yes. like, you know, five producers and two executive producers. And then one executive producer that gets his own credit by himself. So he's like the executive executive producer. <laughs> um, so like really like you could kind of be doing anything. But the producers are the ones who, who literally own the movie. Like if, if you were accepting an award for best picture, the producer gets the award. Um, right. Not the director, not the writer, not the actors. And so what the producer typically will do or can do is, yes, it could just be they're given a whole bunch of money. Like they just give them a bunch of money to fund it. They say, I like this project. I have faith in it. Here's $100 million. Make it, please, and put my name on it. And mm. then they could just back off and then they're gone. Um, yeah. But if, in my opinion, a good producer, um, which – for Storm Chasers, we have a, a great producer. Uh, he's a, a buddy of mine. Uh, a good producer will, like, uh, kind of help to keep everything on the right track. Um, something that writers and directors uh, often will do is go off on, on weird tangents or will get hyper fixated on something and just not be able to let it go. Or, you know, if we are, you know, like if I've got like a scene that I really want to work or, or even just like a joke, something small, like a joke that I'm trying to fit in somewhere. And, you know, let's say I send it to, or I'm, I'm talking to, to our producer, his name's Alex Goebel. If I'm like, yeah, like I've got the, the script for you to look at. I just, I really want to get this joke to work. And I'm like, can I have one more day? It's like, yeah, sure. Take another day. And then he comes back. Yeah. I'm just, I'm really trying to make this thing happen. Can I just one, one more day, please? Yeah. Okay. Fine. One yeah. More day. And then I do it again. He's like, okay, enough. If you can't figure it out in the next 10 minutes, it's cut. You have to move on. You just yeah, have to right. move on. And then I do and I stop wasting my time, right? It's been now four days and I'm, I'm just on the same line. Quit wasting time. You know, they, they can help keep everything kind of moving along and that we're not getting stuck. Um, sometimes the producer can just be like uh, the person that gives them, that is maybe holding the rights to the story and they just say, yeah, you can do it but make me a producer and then boom, you're right. on there. Yeah. Um, you know, the producer really can do like a lot of things, but in my opinion, the, the best producers are the ones that are, they can like provide some monetary uh, value, but mainly that they just help temper the, the creative nonsense uh, that the uh, creatives can give. Um, because since they're on the business side, since they have a, a financial risk, they don't want you to waste time and they don't, because that means money. They don't want you to do something that's really super out there that audiences will absolutely hate, but you are, but you think it's cool because you're an artsy douchebag. Like, right. you know, they, they kind of help make sure that you uh, just kind of get reined in. Yeah, especially if if they are sort of, you know, if they bring monetary value, if they are contributing in that way, it's kind of, it's their money at the end of the day that's kind of, exactly. you know, when that's you're spending four movie. or five days on a joke, it's kind of in their best interest to keep things moving as well. Because, you know, it's, I guess that's that's money kind of ticking yes. away for every every hour spent stuck on kind of fitting one right. joke I in mean, or one line in. Or if it's during production, if you're actually shooting, let's say that a shoot uh, has... 20 actors, uh, 15 crew, like people for the crew, uh, maybe six, let's say 10 more extras, uh, and then you gotta feed all of them. And say so you take a whole day on something that is yeah. just not working, that's a full day of, of, I mean, I lost count of how many I said, but that could be like you know, 40 people's like yeah. daily wages. And like, 
you're like, that was one day you didn't even do anything. And that, and that bit sucks. <laughs> like, no, stop this nonsense, get moving. Right. And that yeah. can be really annoying for the, for the production side and the creatives, but it is actually very important. As, um, I mean, I, I don't want to go through every single role on a film set, but I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm dead <laughs> curious. Yeah. As a director, right? Like, what is your role as a director in that case? If the producer kind of has, not maybe not necessarily final say, but the, if, if the <clears> producer's <throat> kind of controls sort of the flow of things, what is the director's main job on set a lot of the time? And that's a good question, because a lot of people think that they, they know it, that it's like, oh, the director's the boss. Director is just like yeah. the one in control of everything. But that's not exactly true. Like, the director is high up, right? The director is one of the, you know, top, level they call it an above the line position they're they're in above the line for sure but right. the director does exactly what it says on the tin right they direct they are there to be the directors for the actors um so you know they come in they don't worry about i mean some do but like you know they don't really worry too much about the shot because they have a director of photography who does that um right. you know they have cameraman they have they have whole like sections of people who are only devoted to the to the shot you know if i'm the director I don't really have time to deal with that because it's going to take me forever and I'm here to make sure that the actors are are getting the most out of their material and that they know yeah. where to go, what to do and how to how to say things. Um so typically that's the director's job. Now, you get people like Christopher Nolan and you know he is a very camera focused director. Um like I I don't personally love his writing, but his his directing and his camera work are incredible and so like he will have a lot of say in that uh tarantino typically will have a lot of say in in the um they'll have a lot of say in how things look how things feel uh yeah. and and certainly all of the above the line positions so producers writer uh director uh director of photography uh and editor will all have like will kind of all be on a team and like you know it's not like the director has no idea what's going on in the on the shot side of things just everyone's communicating, but I'm gonna let them deal with the, the basics, you know, like the, or deal yeah. with the minutia of the camera work. The one complaint I think that I hear a lot about Christopher Nolan movies, and I don't know if this if this is a creative decision of his, is the audio mixing. Yeah, it sucks. It, you can't <laughs> hear so a fucking bad. word. Yeah, it's like, so bad. It, it, like, <laughs> like te, uh, what was his Tenant? Was that his latest one? Like that mm -hmm, one? Mm -hmm. It was like so much of it was impossible to hear. Um, Interstellar, a movie I hate, uh, is like that too in a lot of scenes where the dialogue is muddy or the, the um, soundtrack is so loud and the, the dialogue is really quiet or the sound effects. It's so, it's so frustrating because what I'm seeing is wonderful. And <laughs> Steven, so Too Good Woo is uh, our artist, uh, Stephen Woo. And he is, he, I've known him for a long time. He's heard me get into it. it it's, uh, it's so frustrating because you can look at something and be like, that's so beautiful. And even when his writing is good, you, like, it's like you love to, to hear what it says, but bad audio, it, I can deal with bad video work. I can deal with bad quality. I can't deal with bad audio. If, if it sounds bad, I mean, I, I'm, oh, I it just can't do it. I want to leave. I can't deal with that. Like the, the sonic uh, aspect of it is... Yeah. Uh, and especially when, so much. when you're watching in a cinema or a movie theater mm -hmm. and the audio is so intense, like it's so loud. Yeah. And uh, you, people wrote a script for this movie for a reason, you know, like you right. want to hear the, right. you want to hear what people are saying. 
but yeah, uh, that's that's the one big complaint I've had about Christopher Nolan. I don't think I've seen a Christopher Nolan movie since The Dark Knight, and I think wow, <laughs> yeah, and I think I'm okay with that to be honest. Yeah, I'm you're not, actually I'm not, not big... missing. I had that big reaction, yeah. but really, you're not missing much. <laughs> I'm not a big like, oh, this. Is, well, it's, <laughs> I'm not a big movie guy generally. Like, <laughs> I think. It's funny because I have two older brothers who are those kinds of people that are like, they'll reference or quote something and I won't get it. Uh -huh. And then they'll be like, what, what you haven't seen blank? And like, <laughs> like, you know, I haven't seen The Godfather. I haven't seen, I know, I know, right, I know. I, I <laughs> I'm worked not gonna on say it. it, but oh my God. I worked on it for a little bit. There was, there was a time where I was like, okay, I'm gonna try watch some really good movies, like people, the you know, movies that people always talk about. And I, I watched like yeah. Taxi Driver, and um... I just saw that movie for the first time uh, last week, actually. What did you think you of say it? That? Uh, I liked it, but I, I didn't love it as much as everyone else seems to, or as much as I thought I was going to. I love uh, noir movies, and that's a, like a neo noir. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It was a little too meandery for me. It felt like we just kind of weren't doing anything at any point. But that's there's a charm yeah. to it, though. That I I, I get that. Uh, I think so I, I watched it with a with a few people recently because it's a movie that I remember like when I watched it for the first time it, it you, you say it's meandery but there's something about its style to me that made it feel more kind of immersive in that way because it's kind of meandery because it's kind of slow yeah <clears throat> I, I think it, it is I think it's meandery on purpose like yes, I, I do it, think that I, was exactly. intentional and, Cause, cause and you, I think you, I just no go on I, I just, I think personally, am less inclined to enjoy that just as yeah. from an entertainment standpoint. Um, Have you seen you know, Mean I, Streets? I mean Streets? No. What is that? So it's it's basically the Scorsese film that was before uh, Taxi Driver. I think it's oh, okay. Robert De Niro as well, but I don't remember. But that, that <laughs> is a movie that basically I tried watching Taxi Driver one night and Mean Streets the next. And that oh, was a man. slug. It really <laughs> yeah. is a slug. Because, because there's this kind of... The world building, I guess, is really, really slow. Like, I guess it's supposed... It's kind of supposed to feel realistic to a degree that it is mundane. Sure. And, yeah. like, yeah, it's a slug. And, I, and t Scorsese is oh. a, a, a genius, but two Scorsese movies in a row would be kind of hard, depending yeah. on the... Like, maybe there are, some, there are some, for sure, but that would be tough. Yeah, because I think... The Irishman, it's a re the recent one, right? That's like three mm -hmm. hours long. Like that's another yeah. <laughs> another one that's just brutal. Oh, don't even get me started I mean, on that. <laughs> <laughs> um, what are your what are your what are your favorites? What are your biggest inspirations? Your and, and like your go tos in 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 film. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, so some of my favorites. Uh, so I love David Fincher. Uh, he did like Fight Club and The Social Network. Um, I love Edgar Wright. Uh, he did the Cornetto trilogy, which is uh, Shaun of the yeah, Dead, Edgar Hot Wright's Fuzz. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, Tarantino's great. Uh, for writer, I love Aaron Sorkin. Uh, I think I I know some people aren't the biggest fan of him, but uh, I think he's like the best writer in Hollywood right now. What was he worked um, on? Because I'm not familiar with uh, writers at all. He did he did like West Wing. He did he actually also did the Social Network. Um, okay. He did uh, the Newsroom. Um, he does, he's really known for a lot of like, uh, really snappy, quick dialogue where it's people that he kind of coined the walk and talk, which is when two characters are just like walking down, like through a scene, not stopping, just going for the whole length of it and just talking back and forth, like having a constant 
like you know, re- really quick, witty, snappy, where yeah. no one in real life could ever talk or think that fast and come up yeah. with that incredible dialogue. But you believe it in the movie because it's because it's everyone. It's like the reverse Scorsese. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, any sort of well, I guess any favorite movies that come to mind? I mean. You yeah. mentioned Tarantino. I haven't seen. Th- I've seen a few things out of Tarantino's catalog, because c- who hasn't, right? Right. Yeah. But I don't know. I, I I think I personally think Kill Bill was overrated, but that might be a that might be a hot uh, take. Nah, I, well, it, I think it is a hot take, but I I'm not in disagreement. I I think it's really good, maybe a bit overrated, but yeah. Uh, Inglorious Bastards. Have you have you seen that? Oh yes, uh, very recently actually. Yes, that oh, is a nice. really good movie. Yeah, I that the opening scene in that movie, I point to it as I think, I think it's the greatest opening scene in cinematic history. Like the it's yeah. it's like five to ten minutes, maybe like eight minutes long, and I think it's perfect. I, I think it is a flawless moment of like there's a lot of moments that like wordlessly tell you a lot. Um, there's so much with like the performance and it's in, uh, it's in, I think French, uh, some French, some German, some English. And as someone who doesn't speak two thirds of those languages, like I can still tell that the performances are incredible and that like the yeah. dialogue itself is so great, which says a lot for the actors. And it's, it's so intense. The tension is just, he's constantly pulling back the bowstring more and more and more and you're just waiting for him to release it and it's so intense i sorry i get so amped up about this stuff it gets so intense that when he finally like when it's revealed like oh like you know, you're hiding them under the floorboards aren't you and he says yes yes when they just start firing it's just like the biggest release ever and it just oh my god it blows me away i, I think it is a flawless perfect scene and and it sets the tone beautifully as well of yes, like exactly you you go you go into the film absolutely despising the bad guys Hans which Wanda, are nuts yeah. so like rightfully so but you know yeah it, it's like it's easy to hate them obviously because they're nazis yes. and that movie somehow makes you hate them more than you normally would and uh which leads to one of the most satisfying sort of payoffs at the end yes oh when so good when everyone's burning and spo- it's spoilers just Masters. yeah uh oh. in fact there's, it's funnily enough, one moment incredibly satisfying, and I I can't remember any of the characters or actors involved, but basically just when Hitler just gets sprayed with an MP40, <laughs> yes. is oh. easily on par satisfaction wise, as to go back to Taxi Driver, when Robert De Niro goes suck on this and just pops yeah. the pimp in the gut with the handgun, <laughs> yes. beautiful. Oh, like it, it's it's so surprising too because yeah, like. It, even though the whole thing is like you know historical fiction, it, yes, you, it's so surprising because like you know we all know that that's not how we died. So when right. they actually succeed at it, it's like it's, it's like, like oh, the how it should have ended, now. the how it should have ended <laughs> yes. in World War Two. Yeah, yes. Um, but yeah, that that is that is a, a great movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so let's talk about uh, Storm Chasers. Because yes. I mean, yeah, we we, we can't oversell yeah, some of the history and, the, and and film and all that. Uh, so, you mentioned that because of the pandemic, it seemed like a good idea to sort of get into an audio uh, an audio drama. Uh, yeah. What was what inspired the setting for Storm Chasers? Uh, so uh, it, a lot of things actually, but the biggest one is uh, 
so it was originally a Dungeons and Dragons campaign that right. uh, me and our producer Alex uh, and Ariel, who's here now, uh, and then a cousin of mine, John, we, that we all played in, and it like. For me, I always had kind of a so I was one of the players. I was Dodds, who is the kind of central character. It's an ensemble cast, but he's kind of the central character. Um, how, how surprising that you made your character. I know, right? <laughs> I know. I mean, he's just the best. He's that's the best character. Yeah, uh, of course. <laughs> but I, I felt such a connection to that to that game and to that story because it was I'd been playing D anD D for maybe like a year and a half at that point, but it was the first time that I'd really. Uh, gotten into the role play aspect that I had stopped doing, uh, that I'd stopped just playing me, but I can use a sword good or me, right. but I can shoot fireballs. Like I actually like figured out who this character was, what he wanted, the, what, what were his wants, what were his needs. I, I took it as a, a kind of as a writer, right? Like as if you're going to make a character, you're going to come up with what they need, what they want, how they see the world, what shaped them, blah, blah, blah. And yeah. I went so hard into that that I really felt this connection to that character and then, you know, by extension to the story. And I really liked the story that, that Alex said. He was the DM. And, uh, you know, that was really, like... So I thought for a while that it'd be a fun, like, thing to do or thing to make. Um, but it was always, you know, out of my scope, right? I'm not going to make a, a seafaring fantasy story. I just can't. Like, I'm, I'm in a landlocked state, and I don't have the money for it, and I don't have the crew for it, and I don't have the skills yeah. for that. Um, but, you know, then when, you know, the pandemic hit, I started thinking about it. I was like, oh, I, I, can, I can actually write whatever I want. Like, I'm free to do whatever. And, you know, so then I started, you know, turning it into uh, – turning it into a, a, an actual story. And that was, obviously things had to change. It's not a one-for-one one, uh, retelling. Uh, but, you know, that was where I kind of came into it. So obviously that was the primary uh, inspiration because mm -hmm. it's yeah. effectively an adaptation. Um, but I also took a lot from... Uh, Avatar The Last Airbender, that's a big one for me. I love that show. and uh, I just it is... watched that show for the first time like oh. this spring. Did, did you it love so it? It's so good. It's amazing. It's so it good. really is amazing. <laughs> it's so even, good. Like, it's a kid's cartoon, but even as an adult, like man, these characters are so <clears throat> good. They complement yeah. each other perfectly. Amazing protagonists. Just, just, yeah, it's an amazing it, show. It, it, it won like a, like a Hugo Award, I think, for it's such a specific award, but it was like best representation of refugees from wartime. <laughs> like, it was like, what? holy God, but it kind of does do that really well. Yeah. Um, like, it got real, real attention. It's, it's so good. I love the setting, I love the characters. Um, and that's the tone that I wanted to hit something that is um, for, for kids you know, kids and young adults, but is able to be watched and appreciated by adults without having to, without having, making anyone stoop down to a certain level or have to yeah. overly reach up. Um, Which is a bit of a, that's a rare thing in kids' cartoons. I, I think, yeah, especially more so now, I think in recent memory, the the one show that I have to give credit to is Adventure Time in that way. Yeah, because yeah. it's because it, it it's got that it still draws in <clears throat> adults like 
amazingly well. Absolutely. I, and, I feel like both Adventure Time and uh, Last Airbender, at least at this point, but for a long time, had the, the majority adult audience. Yeah. Uh, so, like, yeah, that, that's like a rare, a rare gem in, in sort of yeah. kids' TV, especially to have such, like, wide-reaching and, and compelling, like, just writing all around. Um, yeah. So, I, I, I think guess... That, uh, Oh, oh, well, sorry, I was just going to say, the beauty of uh, the delay of uh, audio calls. Um, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> uh, you, you go ahead. You go ahead. Oh, yeah. Last thing I would say is that, like, I think that, uh, like, I think that a lot of TV executives and writers don't, uh, they don't give kids enough credit. I've always yeah. thought that. I think that, like, they, they don't uh, respect their intelligence they have. Um, you know, I have a, a five-year-old niece or six-year-old niece that is watching Storm Chasers, a show that is really not meant for kids that young. Like I, my ideal audience was like 12 to like, I don't know, 25, I guess. Um, so she's like well below. She like follows it. Like she has correctly guessed twists that I am planning that have not been revealed yet, even in the like recordings that we've done. Like she's like in it and like i think that like that you know and she's again she's six years old and i think that give her five more years you know like she's going to be way more able to to understand this stuff and i think that all kids can can get that if you just don't talk down to them yeah and uh and so i that's what i really wanted to to hit on that's what i really respect about a lot of the shows from like that era um and really what i I tried to hit on myself with this one yeah uh so I guess you you mentioned Last Airbender is a is a big inspiration. Um, I guess really how how does that inspiration sort of work its way into Storm Chasers in that way? Is it is it what you just mentioned there, where it's like you want to try to tell a story that can be appreciated by all ages, but still has those, that complexity, or is it is it more than that? Yeah, so that's that's the main one for sure. Yeah. Um, but tone tone also. Um, you know, Last Airbender can get into some heavy themes, but it's never too heavy and yes. and the jokes that come in also never at any point in the show's run undercut the tension or the themes and that's what i really wanted as well that like that's what i'm kind of taking from that show which is able to have a serious moment and a real character like emotional moment that is not so much that you want to like die <laughs> from watching or that you want to turn it off but also you know like I said, doesn't talk down to you and is not one that doesn't frame a complex issue that a lot that everyone faces as just this simple, easy black, white, it's no nothing. Um, while at the same time, it being a fun watch, you know, it, it's still a, it's a, an adventure comedy. And so yes. making sure that the jokes that are in there don't take away from the lessons to learn or take away from the you know, legitimate character moments and the emotional beats that that we have coming in and especially now in the release we just released episode nine yesterday um kind of from episode six onward it really everything really picks up uh way faster for the story and for the characters and uh i I feel like you know i feel like we've all we've been able to get a a really good balance in between the serious and the comedy or the action the you know the emotional moments the dramatic moments i i think that we've got a good balance of that at least i i would like to believe we do yeah 
uh, and that I, I think I understanding that, uh, like you said, you don't want to undercut the seriousness with jokes, but there still needs to be some element of lightheartedness, and and right, like that. That's something that definitely Last Airbender did really well. So I mean, yeah, I think yeah, I, as as far as inspirations for something like this goes, that that seems like the perfect sort of thing to draw from, especially. <laughs> I mean, weirdly a masterpiece, honestly. Like I don't. It is. It is. I. I, I, I as like I said, I I only saw it in full this year, and uh, yeah, it it was surprisingly good. Uh, Have you seen? Yeah, they, they've announced three yeah. animated movies coming out. Yeah, one of them is like the adult uh, gang and gang, uh, and then I think it's two like new stories. I think. Yeah, it was it. Oh, this is, I think Ava, Avatar Kiyoshi was one. Oh, they're doing a Kyoshi story. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yes. And then... Not... Oh, no. I'm showing... My brain is a colander. Is it like like a Zuko movie specifically? Yes. Or is it a... And it's a Zuko yeah. movie that looks like it's between the end of Last Airbender yeah, and the start yeah. of Korra, right? So... Yeah, yeah, yeah. At whatever point he was the Fire Lord, I would assume. Um, and I think the third one is Korra, actually. Oh, okay, cool. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so so yeah, that that's always fun. I'm I'm looking forward to that mainly because um, there there is a live action thing coming as well on Netflix. Yeah, which, which uh, hope, has I don't been, know. Hopefully, well, it's being condemned by the show creators, right? It's one of those it's one of those yeah. things where it's like, and it was the same with the M Night Shyamalan movie, where yeah. the original creators of the show were like, we don't really want anything to do with this anymore, and so yeah, yeah the live action is probably going to be a big miss. Well, but the animated I, I movies that, have promise. Yeah, and I, I don't think that any. I'm immediately turned off when someone says, "Oh, we're going to turn this cartoon or this animated thing into a live action." Yeah. Because they're simply different mediums that I think yeah. don't work. Like the way that animation is is done, like there's so much, like stretching and contorting and twisting that is super unnatural when you just look at a frame of it. But in motion, it works so well. And the things that you can do, the movements, and even like the, the way that certain lines can get delivered, they just don't quite work when in live action. And, yeah. you know, like certain like insane, ridiculous moments, you're like, you, I don't think you can have a Dragon Ball Z fight in live action. You just can't do it. Boy, it's did too they insane. try, though. And boy, did they fail. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I mean I, I completely agree. Uh, just just looking at the the Avatar movie was yeah. a tragedy. <laughs> like yeah, so it, it's one of those things where I mean animation you 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 draw whatever you want, but you yeah. try translate something that can be displayed as like insanely as earthbending, and you're like, well now we've got to think about a CGI budget for uh people throwing boulders right. around and it's like okay we'll have five dudes throw one boulder maybe yeah it, it just doesn't work but but yeah, yeah um the the animated movies look promising sorry to derail this for just promo for the no uh, no yeah totally i i the love last airbender, uh, last airbender. <laughs> yeah um, um and, and to to get i guess get back on your last question like yeah um uh, dragon ball z was another uh big inspiration uh demon slayer a lot of uh, one piece for sure like a lot of like anime is what i was really kind of going off of um One just because i like choice that it's a pirate adventure right exactly yeah. right like um and you know it it because i love just anime normally but like 
I, I feel like it's something that hasn't really been done in the audio drama world, like an anime-inspired, anime-like thing, uh, and like an action show. I mean, you, you, rare, you rarely see fantasy. There's some, for sure, but you, you rarely see it in audio dramas. And uh, action is like never seen because it's really, really mm. hard to do action when you can't see it. A lot it. of horror sci-fi um, audio dramas out there, though, I'm pretty sure. You know, oh, just... right. yeah. I mean, there's a ton of those, which yeah. is, you know, and it makes sense. Like horror for an audio-only medium totally works because mm. horror, sound is such an important aspect to horror movies. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you can, if you can't see something, whatever you can imagine, a lot exactly. of horror movies and, yeah, and like even like yeah. books, like everything, it'll... It'll let you imagine it, give you a lack of information, and usually sound is what gives you the ability to imagine it. So it it's a match made in heaven for for yes. horror and you know, sci-fi especially. Like, it, so that those work super well. Um, comedy works pretty well because usually you just need you know dialogue, um, but you know, drama for sure works for the same reason. But Action and adventure is harder if you can't see what they are exploring, if you can't see the moves that they're that they're performing. Uh, you know, if you can't like get the 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 weight of a punch, uh, that that makes it more difficult. And that is something that we wanted to like that that was a big thing. We we, we took I know we mentioned it in the uh, the Dallas episode, but mm. you know, we've taken like two years to do this thing. Um, yeah. And some of it was uh, certainly on me for uh, just because it's uh, hard and uh, depression hurts the ability to move things along, and you know, yeah, certain things, certain elements, but but also a lot of time was spent on the fights a lot you know, to make it work well in the audio medium and also the the kind of pseudo like puppet animation that we have as well. Yeah. So if it has to work on both, like that is really important that it, that it sounds right. It looks right. And that every fight scene is we spent a long time on, on each one, making it work. One, one burning question that I have right now. Yeah. Given, cause I, I play Dungeons and Dragons as well. And yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, as someone who gets very invested in, in the creation of a character and everything, yeah. was it difficult casting someone to play <laughs> your own D&D character? Because that sounds nightmarish to me. <laughs> so it actually, believe it or not, was not that hard for me. Or rather, it was hard in that, you know, I... I it was hard in that it's it's really important, you know, because yes. he's, the, he's the main character. Um but it, it really wasn't that tough because Dodds is such a... <laughs> uh, David is in the chat right now. Uh, David is, our, is the actor who plays Dodds. Yeah. Uh, it, it, uh, but it actually really wasn't. Like, it, it's because I knew... For me, it was less about what he sounded like. I didn't need him to sound like me. Um, okay. But what I needed was for someone to hit the right emotional hits, right? Like, Dodds is... You know, fun-loving. He's goofy. He's emotional. He he loves to. He loves his friends. He loves food. You know, he is from a place that was stifling for all of his creativity, uh, and, and for all of his you know extroverted kind of desires. And so now he's in this new place, and he loves everything. He loves new experiences. He loves to to explore and to find things. He likes to improve himself through through combat. Um, he loves you know, so, so much about just life in general. And so I really wanted, and he's, and again, he's goofy and I wanted someone who could hit those aspects instead of 
just someone who sounds like me because I'm not an actor. So like when I'm voicing Dodds in the game, I'm probably not doing a good job. <laughs> I probably I probably sound like just like a normal guy. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, so when I when I got all of them, I mean, we got a lot of uh, auditions. I mean, we. I've probably listened to at this point, I mean, well over 200 auditions for the characters. Um, but for, and for Dodds, there were a lot. Uh, but really it came down to, there, it was, there was two, it was David and someone else. Um, and uh, I remember I was like going back and forth and I, I remember I listened to David's one more time and I was like, you know, I think, cause again, they were kind of similar, but I was like, I think that David has so much more potential than this other guy. And I and yeah. like that, cause that was the X factor there. There was something, and it's so hard to explain that. Everyone will say like, everyone's got an X factor, but it's hard to explain what it is. And David had it. And that has proven to be correct. Uh, especially in uh, the not yet released uh, 12th episode. Okay. There we were recording, and oh, David, I'm just gonna go off, man. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go in, like, it, it's a very emotional scene. It's 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 our most dramatic scene, and uh, it is. So it was really important, right? It, it's supposed to hit you just square in the chest and be just a brutality, um, okay. and it's it's not funny. It's not fun. It is just heavy. And we were recording, and we do it all through Discord. So we had, so they record on their own systems. Yeah. Um, so it's it's good quality, but we just can look at each other through Discord, so that we're all um, recording at the same time, so they can bounce off of each other, and and I don't have to uh, direct each of them separately. We can just do it all in one. And uh, it's just David and uh, Sarah Lynn, our other. She plays. Uh, well, I don't want to say it because I don't want to spoil anything. Okay. Um, but his his scene partner, uh, Sarah. And it was, it was just them two, which is a lot to to just have two people giving their performances in a really heavy mm. scene. Yeah. Um, and I mean, they both they both did incredibly. But I remember a moment where I lo- I like I was in shock. I wasn't even I was like not even listening. I was just engrossed. And I look up at David's video, and he is like actually crying. And it like jolted me. I was like, oh my god. And uh, I sent Alex, our producer, a text afterwards, and I was like, "Hey, David's the real deal. We got to we got to get him a contract so that he can't leave us. Like, <laughs> we we got to get him a contract. Like, this is insane." Um, and uh, I mean, it, he, he blew me away. Uh, absolutely blew me away. And uh, it, it's I'm so glad that I was able to see that X factor mm-hmm. uh, in him because I could have gone with the other guy, and who knows, you know, what what would have happened. Um, but you know, not not to just gush on on David. I mean, everyone. No. I've been so so thrilled about everyone that we've got, and they're all like, I say it like this, they're all like Reddit randos. Like I just posted yeah. on Reddit, yeah. like, hey, you know, here's the you know, here's the the scenes that I you know, if you all can record this, like here's a. We don't do a lot of monologues, so I was like, here's you know, a, a two person scene. Just ignore the other person's lines and just you know, send me that. Uh, so they're all just like random people I just found. And uh, I am just blown away with how incredible they all are. Like, it's not that some of them are good and some of them are okay and like one's kind of like 
all of them are incredible. There's, there's and several of the chats. It would be so funny if you were just like, yeah, the four of them are great, but one guy. Yeah, I don't know. Oh man, but Sh but Shogo is just such a pain. <laughs> just in the put butt. him on He's blast. So bad. I've been trying. Um, no, it's it's really uh, it, it it. I'm I'm blown away uh, the the whole time. Like every every time we record an episode, uh, and the later it went too, the more the easier my job became. Uh, because, you know, as everyone kind of got into the real swing of things, everyone got an idea of who their characters are, uh, and how they should act in certain moments. Uh, there were a lot, there was like a full episode, I think of this almost, but like a lot of, a lot of moments where we'd get through a scene and I'd just say, eh, uh, yeah, that was literally perfect. No notes to any of you. And I'd be like, let's just do it one more time as a safety uh, yeah. And then let's move on. Just don't don't change a single thing, and where we could just blow through it. Um, <laughs> uh, Shogo is saying that he, I'm I'm safe across the sea, but well, you know what? Good. I'm glad that you're not around. You're not around. All right. Uh, no, nah, nah, I'm kidding. Shogo, Shogo's great. <laughs> Shogo is mid. Uh, nah, he he's absolutely incredible. He plays Longbeard, and uh, God, I love Longbeard. Um, but uh. Yeah, you know, it, it, it made things really easy and uh, because they just all, I mean, they just knocked it out of the park. I, I'm, I'm amazed by it. Did you, because you mentioned, uh, I, I, I can't remember exactly, but, you know, you had you, essentially like friends and family involved in the D&D &D campaign that sort of <laughs> inspired this. Were any of them involved in the casting for their roles? Did they so have a say? I, I, I sent my, uh, like, the the... People who I was like, all right, here's the 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 kind of finalists, um, you know, and I'm taking the the their opinions on it. But I, I also kind of mentioned to them, I was like, it was kind of an, kind of an awkward conversation. I was like, so, I was like, first off, do we have your blessing to do this? And mm -hmm. they said yes. So I I wouldn't have done it if they, you know, if anyone just straight up did not want me to do that, or I would have changed the character. Um, but then I was like, look, you know, this is gonna be a little awkward, but uh, I I have a preference that there be less involvement uh, from you all simply because I, I don't want there to be a, a divide, right? I don't want it to be like, you know, oh, I'd, I'd actually prefer maybe, you know, we do things like this and you say, oh, well, that's yes. not how it would be. Like, that's not how right. this character would be. It's, it's, but it's like, no, okay, this is, but this is my interpretation. And I really needed that, like, that, I guess, uh, <laughs> What am I trying to say here? Uh, like a degree that, of separation. Of, yeah, yeah. You know, the, 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 this is going to make it sound way worse than I mean it to, but kind of the pecking order, right? Like I needed to make sure that as, as the showrunner and the writer and the director, that that like, hierarchy needed to remain kind of intact. Yeah, um, especially if like... It's an adaptation. It's not going to be completely 100% true. Exactly. You know, you don't want people, I guess, being like, I guess trying to micromanage sort of what happens throughout the show because it's it's not it's not word for word it's your it's, it's right. sort of a separate creative idea with with the same names yeah I guess. and and not that i was expecting that to happen um yeah. you know, i mean again like, ariel's in the chat right now she's listening she played jackie um like it, it, it's not that i expected trouble mm. i just like really wanted to make sure that everything you know, let's say i had them involved there in the discord and everyone was was communicating they're communicating with the actors if I give a note and then they come in 
it may be in like a back way again not that i would expect this weird no like, like a consultant cross but yeah sort of thing. but like if they if they give a different view of it i don't want that to happen <laughs> like i yeah. no 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 actually you're gonna do it this way because i'm the director and i'm your boss like you're actually doing it this way yeah, do not listen you, to anyone you, else. You know, suddenly there's like a back and forth of like, oh, well, the character wouldn't do this. And it's like, oh, well, sadly, for the writing of the show, that, that's what's going to happen and suck right. it up, buttercup. Yeah, and I, I, right. Anyway, I really didn't want to have that complication, that even potential. And I, and I didn't want to do that to, to you know, my, my friends, right? Like I've got, you know, my friend and my cousin, and I'm going to yeah. like get on them. And then now maybe my reaction or my relationship with like, the actors is maybe weird. Like if I'm like, no, actually, don't listen to them. I'm in charge. Do yeah, that, that guy. That's just like an who... awkward situation to put people in. in yeah, general. like that's yeah. not the kind of director I am. Um, but the involvement was, you know, in the kind of the finalists of who I was picking. Like I wouldn't hear what they think. And in the first few episodes, I sent uh, the first couple scripts their way just to say, like, what do you all think? You all are involved in this. Like in that, you all know the story, so I don't have to like go into all the lore. Like. Do you all think this is good? You're my first ones. I'm sending this to. Please review and edit and send me any criticism you might have. Cause, yeah, like as you know, in the campaign I'm playing right now, if someone was to make an adaptation of it and take my character, and I, I, you know, I, I would, I would hope that I guess as a courtesy, that would be the least. So someone would do it was, you know, let me see the scripts. Right. At the end of the day, you know, that's a character that I, I cherish and you're putting words in his mouth right. and it's like, oh, well, I got to make right. sure you're at least getting the right tone uh, and that sort of right. thing. Yeah. And I, and I totally get it. Like that's because if, if truly if the roles were reversed and if I was if someone had taken Dodds and was doing things like with him, I'd feel maybe a little weird about it. <laughs> like yeah, someone that I right. cared about that much, like I, I would feel strange, especially like me as a writer, like I'd be like, well, how come I'm not? helping with this, you know, this and that. Um, and I, I totally understand that that being something that someone would feel weird about and uncomfortable. Again, that's why I, I kind of said, I was like, you know, this is gonna be an awkward little convo here. Uh, but you know, like I want there to be no hard feelings here. Like just, this is the, the vibe that I want. This is a project that I want to make sure is, is running as smoothly as possible. And especially in, in now, Ariel has, has film experience for sure. Um, but in regards to my cousin, John, he, he's an engineer. He's not a film person. He's not a writer. You know, I also wanted to, I had to kind of tell him like, yo, I'm not that there was any problems, but I had to tell him, you know, I'm the creative guy in charge here. Like I'm the film guy to some degree. I need to make sure that my view is respected more than yes. a, a non-creative, you know, a, a little bit of, I guess, more creative agency in that case where it's like, listen, right. Know. I've been doing this for a long time. Just kind of trust me with this. Um, much that might hurt, sort of bite your tongue or, or something. It's like, you know, right for the um, greater good. E exactly, exactly. E even the the designs. Like we had, uh, there was a lot of like redesign for the characters to get the tone. You know, I wanted them to be. We were uh, me and Steven were playing a lot of Hades at the time, and so the the we kind of designed it a little bit with an inspire or a Hades inspiration. Um, so they all kind of, if you play Amazing that game and then... design, so... Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so if you look, if you play the game and look at the show, like, you can kind of, you can kind of tell, mm. um, which I love. I love how, how all of our art looks. Um, but our original, I actually have it here. So our original designs, when it was still just a game, um, hopefully it's, it'll show up. But, like, was this. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. 
and you know they they look like way older because they are like they're you know they're older they're gruffer they're a little more like you know it's almost like darkest timeline of the storm chasers show like jackie has like you know jackie has you know like a side shave and like a big scar over her eye and like dodge is like big bulky dude who's like he looks like he's like 38 <laughs> and like Quinn is just like this gruff, like he's he never smiles and he's got this, you know, cause they're just badass D and D characters, but that's not what we're going for here now. So yeah. there had to be this big redesigns and, uh, you know, even that was an aspect of like, look, I'm going to change how they look. You know, like Jackie went from being a, a dark haired kind of a, a dark brunette slash black hair to uh, a red hair, right? Like that's, we changed like a whole lot of of the designs. Um, everyone slimmed down a bit. They're all younger, and I kind of told them like this is also kind of gonna be the deal. <laughs> like there might yeah, be yeah, because you like you said this for the tone. You're taking it from a more dark fantasy, like hardened D and D character to uh, mm -hmm. like more lighthearted fantasy adventure. Right. Yeah, you don't necessarily need like scarred, battle-hardened, you know, mean-looking exactly. crew for this kind of more light-hearted adventure. Even if, even if you're kind of still trying to embody those characters, yeah, in a different tone. Um, exactly. I mean that. Yeah, the the whole process seems pretty fascinating. And like for yourself, like you said, you're not you're not an actor yourself, so you you didn't really see. I guess you be playing Dodds for the for the sort of production of it, which is. Again, Ooh, no. like, you don't have i guess the luxury of something like critical role where right. the whole table is voice actors and when it came right. to the animated show they all voice their own characters and so they can do kind of however however they wish in that way um so it, yeah, yeah exactly that, I, yeah i i want to apologize to everyone listening for the sound of my voice because i hate it i hate how i sound <laughs> like what, what i'm forcing everyone to listen to uh, yeah, no, oh, me, me on camera is I'll tidy it up I'm... in post. Don't you worry about it. Oh, thank God. Thank God. Yeah. Just replace me with one of those AI, um, like on TikTok or something. Yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, like, just know that really, really, um, just very Texas speech, like female voice that is in every TikTok. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You won't believe what I did when I made the <laughs> Storm Chasers pod. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, God's sake. that that would be, even that would be better. Now um, you talked no, about. I, I just. Oh no! Yeah, go ahead. I was say I was say I I, uh, I felt like it gave me a good uh, a good experience to direct, um, like I could do that effectively. But you know, I, I'm even just beyond like how I feel like I sound. Um, I uh, like I don't know how to act like if if. You know, I haven't taken any classes on that. I haven't, yeah. you know, trained and I haven't, I don't have any experience with it. Like, you know, <laughs> uh, shut up, Ariel. Uh, <laughs> totally shit, chat. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I just don't, I can't do it. And I don't see the point in letting someone like me, you know, I, I, I wouldn't let someone who had had no training, didn't have a microphone that was good, had no idea how to act or how to make the, the, all the, you know, to how to edit his own stuff. I'm not gonna let that person be, be Dodds. No, I gotta make. Right. I, I hear it. Oh, uh, this guy, you know, David Escardo. He's, he sounds super crisp. He's got it down. He clearly knows what he's doing. Like, all right, yeah, he's the one, not me. I'm just a yeah. guy. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's fair. I think, as someone who sort of, I, I, 
I, I kind of pride myself that I, I, I'm pretty good at voice stuff. I, I, I couldn't imagine anyone else playing my characters because the, the two characters <laughs> that I've played over the past like five, four years of D&D have had very sort of specific voices that like, yeah. oh, especially I'll never, I'll never miss out on a chance to sort of boast about <laughs> the changeling that I played because he had four uh, unique personas as a changeling. Oh, and each nice. had a different accent and voice and timbre and everything. So like, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't, ima- I couldn't imagine sort of handing the reins to someone else and saying, here, you, you, you do a better <laughs> job. But as, yeah. as you're like, you know, your field is not being in, in front of the camera or in front of the mic in that way. Right. So it, right. it makes sense to sort of be able to hand it off and, and, I, I, you know, I can't be easy because it's still your character and, and you right. kind of put still your kind of my baby soul and... into it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but also, I think I'm sure there's a certain kind of satisfaction of finding someone that is that talented <clears throat> to bring it to life in a way that you don't think you could, you know? Absolutely. And, and you know, it's a lot of uh, directors and probably writers too, but a lot of directors have a, and let me maybe make another uh, disclaimer, a, a lot of younger, less experienced, I would imagine, um, directors, and certainly me when I was in college and a little bit afterwards, have a view of actors as, well, I mean, I'll just say it as, as it's a disrespectful uh, view. It is the idea that they're just cattle. You're hurting them yeah. in front of the camera. They're just there just to do the thing that you know how you do it. You're going to tell them exactly how to do it in every single way. Boom, boom, boom. This is how, do not deviate from what I say. You know, yep. they're just, they're just action figures that you're positioning. Right. And you know, that is a good way to get a bad product. Um, it is good way to get a bad rep too. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. First off, yeah. everyone's going to hate you because you're just kind of being an asshole. Yeah. But number two, it's, it's a way to get a bad performance because if actors are really creative people and they can bring so much to it. Um, you know, there, there are so many lines and so many scenes that ended up playing out so differently uh, yeah. than how I imagined it when I wrote it. Like even like just undiscussed where they simply read my, my words in a different way when they first got the script. And so we didn't talk about it. They just assumed we we're on the same page and like their interpretation of it of so many scenes were just like incredible. And I just like, I, I'd sometimes I tell them like, that wasn't what I had in mind, but I loved it. Great job. But sometimes I'd just be like, I'm just going to keep quiet. I'm going to let them do their yeah. thing. I'm not going to get in their head at all. Like just move, move through like the, in our latest episode, um, there's a moment where they're like walking through uh, a tower and they're like, yo, we're going to, you know, everyone, you should all start thinking about what you're going to, you know, what you're going to have for lunch. And they start talking. And then, uh, Dodds interrupts, and when I wrote it, uh, I imagine it's like, yo, know, they were like, yo, but sir, we, we really need to get into that library. It'd be really important. Chicken wings. And then be pause. Uh, that's what I want for lunch. And then they move on. But when David read it in the actual, you know, in the recording, he did, he was like, chicken wings. <laughs> And it was, I mean, it killed us. It was so funny. And like, it, w- it, it made my, my okay joke into one that was like so much better. And like, it, it, we all cracked up, we died. Like we had to like pause the scene for a bit and like recover. And, and it's you know, a, a 
really good moment that is more true to the character than I initially wrote it. Um, and I, I think that if you're going to be a, a director, um, especially of your own work, you need to be willing to accept that maybe you don't always have the best like take in your head. You know yeah. that that there are other people who can bring you know greatness and, and brilliance to a role that maybe you simply just didn't see. So. Uh, this this sort of ties into what I talked with uh, Dallas about on her episode when there's yeah. there's kind of that uh, creative process going into recording where you know they they give feedback or they change the performance and and they bring something new to it uh, and that's a great example. Um, are there any sort of well I guess other than the chicken wings moment any that either caught, took you completely off guard or like really like stood out as as um, you know, in that in that moment of sort of feedback, or like, hey, you know, maybe this character should say this instead. Uh, I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want you to spoil anything, so I'll just have to say in the in the first nine episodes where it really yeah. clicked for you, where there was sort of a moment that's like, okay, this is going to be more collaborative than than sort of puppeteering, like like you said. So yeah, as, as I, there, I, mean, I think. I think kind of throughout the whole thing, it was like a nice kind of gradual incline of like, oh, okay, they like. They've got it now. Like after like yeah. our third episode, when we were recording the fourth, I think it was like around that four to five is kind of when I was like, okay, they've they've got it under control. And so that means that like, you know, definitely listen when they talk, right? Like if they're gonna tell me something, like really consider it. Um, not that I wasn't in the first place, but like that really, you know, I don't know, I guess maybe there was the click, but the one that comes to my head first is uh, Dallas has always been, I feel like, really in tune with her character. And uh, I think it was in the, the ninth episode, actually. Um, she sent me a, just like a private message where she was like, hey, I wanted to talk to you about uh, this you know, scene here with Jackie because it was a, a pretty big scene. It was our second to last scene in that episode. Um, it was with her and, and Evendall. And it was a, a, it's a pretty important scene. It's an, an emotional scene. And she was like, I had some questions and there were a couple moments where I feel like I'm confused as to why Jackie would act this way. Okay. And, and I, I love that she did this because I can imagine that maybe being uh, a little difficult to do, right? To go to the guy who's in, who wrote it for you and say, hey, uh, I think in this really important scene, I don't think you wrote her right. I think that you yeah. actually didn't do that great of a job here. Um, not that she said it in those words, but you know, that's, I could see someone thinking like, this is a big moment. Uh, but then she, and she had this like, you know, a lot, I mean, like a, a real like character and scene dissection of, of the entire thing. And I loved it. I mean, it, it was great. It made me first off feel really good that she had delved so deeply into my work, but also like everything that she was saying, I was like, oh damn, like that's a great point. Like that right. would actually be a lot better. Or, you know, like in a lot, uh, also in the 13th episode, our, our season finale, um, there were a lot of moments like that too, where like people were kind of coming to me and, and saying like, what do you think about this? Or how about this? Or maybe I should read it like this. And I, I love when they do that. Um, you know, it, cause it just means, cause we're all on the same team and it's not that they're coming to me saying, Hey, I think that I'm, I'm better at this than you. It's them saying, what do you think about this? I think that this could make this scene better. And if I think so too, I say, hell yeah. Like yeah. that you did make it better. You know, like it, it is a, you know, we're all just trying to make the best thing that we can. 
And so to, to shut someone down or to put your ego into it, it, it's, it could only, it could only serve to make a worse product because you could always, there there have been times. Yeah. I mean, there've been times where, you know, someone has, has come to me with, with an idea or with a thought, um, or had a read that was different than I expected. And it was, uh, you know, something I didn't really want. I ultimately wasn't really into, I, you know, I don't berate them for one of the first things I said to them was I'm okay with a little improv. Like as long as you don't change the meat of the scene, you all can kind of go for it. Like I want to see what you got, but you know, if they give a read that I I don't really love, I might say, Hey, yo, hold on real quick. Um, let's actually take it back to that line. I'd really rather it be like that. You know, I'm I'm basically, I'm just saying I direct them, but like, you know, it's, it's a way to, you know, you give, you give your feedback, but don't shut them down. And if they're doing something different that maybe works, then let them go do the, do the whole scene. And then once you cut, then you, you, you describe, you know, then you explain another way of doing it because maybe it does work and maybe you only find out in the editing, you know, like you don't know if it's going to be, if it's going to play right or not. Yeah. Um, so I like to get both and, uh, sorry that I'm, I'm kind of rambling a little bit. No, but, no, no. I, you know, this is there, great. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's, there, there is a, there's, there's an, there's an arrogance, I think, to kind of any content creation, but especially for, for writing in that, you know, you are, I'm kind of going into this thinking, oh, my, uh, my words deserve to be heard, right? What, what I have in my head, not only am I going to take the time to make it, but it deserves to be heard and you all should watch it. And I think that's a, that's, it's good and bad. It's good because that makes you create like that. That's how we get things. You know, any kind of, you have an idea that you think is good. That's positive, but it can be a trap if you get too locked into that mindset and you know, of like, it's my words. It's my idea. I'm the one to control. You know, I may have wrote it. I may have directed it, but it's not, the show isn't just mine. It, It is not, like I, I mean, obviously I'm biased. I think it's a great show. I love the show. There, there are moments that still make me laugh, even yeah. though I've read or heard them a thousand times. You know, there are moments that you know, we'll, I'll get the edit um, back from Issa, who is our editor, who I, I see is also in chat, uh, and and I'll just be wowed. I'll be like, that was so good. I would watch the hell out of this thing if I was a viewer, and you know. Like I, I, so I really like it and it's, it's not, I don't like it just because of me. And I think a lot of people can easily fall into that trap of it's mine. I did this good yeah. job. Me, you know, Hey everyone, thanks for, you know, carrying my trail. Uh, you know, like I, I, I'm the bride. Thanks for carrying my trail down the aisle and I'll get the hell out of here. I'm the one mm-hmm. in, on the altar. Yeah. Like, no, this is a, a group effort. Because yeah, I mean, you said there's there's a level of arrogance, uh, a level of um, almost narcissism in content creation generally. Because you you yeah. you you have to believe that what you are creating, people are gonna like, and and yes. that takes a level of cockiness. But especially when it comes to something that is as collaborative as this, like you've got to have some kind of humility and be able to admit when. Well, one, admit when you're wrong, but that goes for anything. But also just admit when, you know, something that you envisioned could could just be improved. And I think that, like, 
I mean, you know, by the sounds of it, as you've matured as a director, you you more appreciate how much actors can bring to a role because yeah. you know when we um, when I was talking to Dallas about D and don't know how much how uh, how many other members of the cast are D and D players. I think uh, mo- I, I don't know about maybe most, but definitely a lot. Uh, I mean, I'm trying. Dallas is definitely our biggest. Um, yeah. You know, actually, now, yeah, I don't know. I, now that I'm, I'm thinking about it, I know sure, I definitely sure know a lot of people have chat, played. But... Yeah, right. Yeah, like, I know. Uh, I know. Uh, Odd, uh, the guy that plays, he does our music, and also he plays uh, Captain Cross and uh, Jebedo just released in, or just introduced this last episode. I know he at least has played, but I think he yeah. does play. Um, know, you know, the crew. You know, they are uh, Stephen plays, Alex plays, I play. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm not sure. I, I. I don't remember actually who all has, but I think Shogo has played. Because um, I just. Know, I, I think that if... that that brings to it a certain. Because I haven't acted in anything. Well, I, I. I should say I haven't really acted in something since like high school. I guess. Right. <laughs> sure. Sure. But but you. I, we uh, Dallas and I talked about how you know D and D is a performative sort of creative outlet, and so yeah, you know. It, it makes that the perfect sort of inspiration for something like this. And people, you know, in D&D bring a lot to the table for like to put life into the characters, right? Yes. And when you're having actors it, it essentially do that, bring life to characters that you have sort of written out on paper, it, it mm-hmm. they're, they're going to bring more of, a, they, they're going to bring themselves into it as much as they're going to bring sort of the written word, right? There's going to be, yeah, yeah. it's never going to be, because at that point you might as well have a text-to-speech, just read the lines, right? There's more to the exactly. lines than just what <clears throat> what is said, you know? The, and when, so you, you mentioned it was sort of a, a ramping up process as it became more collaborative, but it is, you know, as they, they're bringing... I need to get these words straight in my head or I'm just going to say the same things over and over. <laughs> As they're playing these characters sort of day in, day out or week in, week out, mm-hmm. it's kind of the merging. You know, their performance that they bring yes. to it is also going to be merging with the character that you've written to create <clears throat> something more than more than that. And that's why you end up with these moments of like, um, you know, Dallas sort of questioning the character's choices in that situation because Dallas is t- undertaking that character for, for the time and kind of understanding it. Yeah. In a more in a more real way than than as the words are written, and just yeah, that whole absolutely. process is like, well, <clears throat> speaks to their their ability as actors, of course, and yeah, it speaks to your ability to to write those characters in a way that is like really, I guess, able to be brought to life, you know, and and to be it, sort of embodied with that understanding as an actor of like this is the character that I'm playing. And these are the quirks and the the traits that they have, and and kind of enabling them to contribute more in, in the conversation of of sort of like what would be said. Um, completely forgot where I was going with this point, but just like <laughs> that's, right. that's happened to me a bunch of times during this. Right, uh, all right, ramble, just fix it. Yeah, ramble. yeah. Um, but um, it, I mean, the the whole process as it is. Uh, I remember sort of Dallas talking about how. She never really works on a project where everyone's in, kind of in the call mm-hmm. for for the recordings, you know. Yeah, I thought that was so interesting when she said that. Um, yeah. Because, you know, because I I knew that some uh, productions for just for uh, audio, it would be you know they give you the lines and 
you know, basic direction. They send them over, you listen to them, you take your notes, send it over, they give it back. But you know, I came from, from the live action film world and that's obviously not how it's done there. Like everyone's in the same room. And yeah. I, I can't imagine a world where we're doing it that way. I mean, <clears throat> the, the idea that like, that for, for the, the uh, David scene that I was mentioning earlier that like just blew us all away, the idea that I would have gotten that same performance if it was just him by himself in yeah. his recording booth, there's, there's just no, there's no way. Like, I, I mean, he's good enough to have given us a good performance. Still, I'm, I'm confident on that. But there's absolutely no way. I mean, he was feeding off of Sarah, who was feeding off of him, and, I mean, just the the energy was electric. And yeah, I I think to not have that, you know, that element of it would is doing such a disservice. And even for for directing, like. Again, I'm not going to get as great a good performance, I believe. And so my directing might be different, right? Like, you know, the way that, that someone sounds when they're responding to a question is different than if they're, you know, not or if they're excited or whatever. And so it helps me to know the context. You know, I, yes. if I have the full context of how everyone is saying each thing, then, you know, that allows me to more adequately and more accurately uh, direct them to where I think that we all need to go. Uh, so I, I can't imagine not doing it all live. Yeah, because the, the whole thing, I guess, ends up feeling more organic. Uh, you mm -hmm. like you you have the you have the, the the actors just having a conversation as those characters rather than just reading reading lines. I mean, even that's if, exactly even it. if you know, <laughs> I, like you said, you can't imagine that performance being nearly as compelling. Like imagine you were reading the lines for sort of David's counterpart in that line, in that mm -hmm. sort of scene, as opposed to uh, the, the the other actor. Like that's, that just kind of takes it all apart. There's less oh, emotion, uh, you know? They, yeah. they can't see I, I can't... one another as those characters if they aren't in the same room in a way. Exactly, and like, you know, I can't get the same kind of, you know, emotive nature, no matter how hard I try, especially because I have to listen to yeah. direct you know i can't get fully into the scene because i can't i have to be i have to be omnipresent and even if i could do both if i'm so okay so let's say that i yeah like you said i have to play sarah's role yes if so okay so now i'm playing a a female character that has never interacted in person where i personally rather have never interacted with david's character is he going to be able to get into that same mindset? It, right. you know, do I have to do a voice? Like yeah. what's, you know, or am I going to act this the way that I think it should be? And is it going to translate? You know, it's, it would absolutely not, not be the same. It's not yeah. just me reading, reading them in for a, a monologue. It's, it's, there's way more to it than that. So over, I mean, the couple of years of, of the mm -hmm. show's sort of production, any personal any personal highlights in the whole adventure? Like what 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 were your oh. sort of highlight moments? Whether it was you know whether it was in the case of recording <clears throat> or just finally getting it out there and and being able to say that it was it was done. Like what what were the standout moments for you in that process? Oh man, I mean there really are so many. Um, chicken wings was a good one. Um, just how it got all of us. Uh, in the fifth episode, 
it's a, uh, for those who haven't seen it, it there's, we play a lot, around a lot with the structure and the format where we do like anime parodies and like a noir parody and you know, we change, or it's, like, it's a drunken retelling of the previous, or rather it's the retelling of now sober characters of the night before when they were super drunk. Right. And so, you know, how does each character interpret each other character? And uh, that was a lot of fun specifically for uh, Shogo, who plays uh, Longbeard, but also a character, Ladriel, who has three versions. The normal one, who is being told by Zago, the super charming and handsome debonair one that's being told by uh, Jackie, and then the slimy sleazeball, like, you know, uh, uh, ruffian that's being told by Evendall. And so, you know, that's a kind of a difficult uh, acting challenge because he has to play the same character three times in radically different ways. Yes. And he just, like, when he, and the, the sleazy one was first, and he just hit us, Captain Jacqueline Brightwood. <laughs> like, he, he gave us this, like, oh, it was such a funny moment. And where I realized, like, oh, okay, good. They're all going to have so much fun with this because yeah. that's what the episode really called for. Um, and so it led to such a great time. Um, it was like, that was a great moment. Um, the scene where uh, there's an episode in the last, or the scene in the last, uh, or the fourth episode, the final scene, uh, is a scene with Jackie and, and Zago and uh, Dallas and, and Ginger, who plays Zago just like acted the hell out of it. And it was around then that I realized where I was like, okay, that was where the click came where I was like, okay, they, these people know the characters. Like yeah. they, they, okay, they got it. Um, me and uh, Alex and Steven had a uh, cabin trip at one point where we had just got a little, little uh, pre-production boys trip where we went to, we've got a cabin in this like uh, hiking trail, like this mountain area in Kentucky. And, uh, we just like got a long weekend. We just stayed there for three days and we just like wrote and brainstormed and like, you know, drew art and had all this, just this massive like brainstorm. <laughs> I, I won't mention the, uh, Steven says we do not mention the cabin. I won't mention some of the, uh, more wild details. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, uh, I, let's just say that the, uh, we wrote episode five, um, the one with the drunken retellings. Uh, and let's just say that it's so weird because we ourselves were drunk when we did it. Uh, right. Yeah. And then things got a little wild, but, uh, you know, but that was like a, a lot of fun and it's where I really like, again, like clicked on where I was like, okay, we're in the, uh, like, I don't know. I was able to just get everything else out and, and focus on the writing and the story. We planned everything out. Um, you know, it was, it was a lot of fun, uh, and it helped me really get more invested in the story. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to get too personal about it, but I, at the time was going through a lot that made it difficult for me to actually write and to, to get my creative, uh, energy out. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, I think by then, I mean, I had probably gone like, I mean, I could have been like three months without having, uh, you know, without having really done much where maybe I'd gotten like four pages in a script done. Mm. Um, and so, Getting there, getting away from it all, like being with, with, you know, two of my closest friends, focusing, you know, just focus down, brainstorming like crazy, having a good time, you know, cooking a bunch of good food. Like that really helped me a lot uh, to, to get back into the creative process. Um, and so that that I would consider a standout moment. Yeah, sounds awesome. I'm not going to lie. Kind of get away with the boys yeah. to really just reinvigorate. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A absolutely. <laughs> 
Um, I mean, I I have no further questions at this point. <laughs> uh, yeah. But I mean, I don't know if you have anything you want to ask me, or if you want to just you know get the good word out there. You know, feel free. <laughs> Uh, sure. You know, for, for all those listening, uh, if you haven't gotten a chance to check out the show, uh, you can look up storm chasers on pretty much anywhere you get podcasts. Like Spotify is, is kind of our, uh, primary one, but anyway, I would recommend, cause I remember you mentioning it was a nightmare for search engine optimization, storm chasers podcast, the full thing. So yeah, well, so uh, weirdly enough on the audio versions, if you type in storm chasers, it comes up, but on the video, uh, that's what I was about to mention. If you go to YouTube where we have our animated version, um, which I, I have a lot of fun with. I really love the animated form. Uh, type in Storm Chasers Podcast. Otherwise, you're going to get so many people chasing after tornadoes. It's going to be so weird. <laughs> is there any actual storm chasing in in the show? Is that... A, I feel like <laughs> so, I'm, I'm uh, in, in our latest episode, not a true fan. No, no it's all right. Uh, in our latest episode um, that just released yesterday, uh, it's, it's shown that the storm chasers are a, a group of people who are dedicated to understanding what the great storm is. And the great storm is, uh, the, the great storm is this, this magical, uh, oh, yeah, we, I'm, <laughs> we being, got, I'm we being rated as we speak. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> um, hey everybody. Yeah, yeah, the, the great, yeah, hello. Uh, the, the great storm is a, yeah, the great lily storm. Uh, is a magical storm that circles uh, the archipelago, which is just, it's an archipelago. Uh, and it is, it's huge and magical and super dangerous. And it's been there for years, like hundreds, you know, thousands of years. Um, that's just never going to stop. Um, and, uh, or rather, it has never stopped. And the storm chasers are trying to understand what the hell it is. So right. it's this collection of, of wizards who are trying to figure out what it is. Um, I, I actually, I named that episode, uh, title drop cause it's the first time that the storm chasers is actually said. Um, and so, uh, you know, so that, that's where the storm chasing comes in, but it also works because it's about a group of people who are adventuring and, you know, having a lot of fun finding, you know, conflict and kind of being embroiled in something that that's way over their heads. Yeah. And so, but also with a lot of intent, especially with Dodds who wants that kind of adventure. And so, uh, he is also, and they all are proverbially chasing the storm. Um, and so I feel like it works on a couple levels at least. Uh, yeah. Um, I guess, like the man said, look up Storm Chasers podcast on YouTube. I should have a link. I'm, <laughs> I'm unprepared and I feel, I feel bad about it. But Storm Chasers <laughs> on, on Spotify and wherever you get your uh, podcasts and Storm Chasers podcasts on YouTube. I got to say thanks for coming on. It was awesome. Uh, well, because you were in chat for the Dallas episode. And it was you know, awesome to yes, sort of yeah. you know, connect with you there. So um, thanks a lot for coming on. You've, you've been amazing. Uh, yeah, thank you I so think, much for having me. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, of course. Um, I'm, I'm just going to do the classic and say thank you for everyone. Uh, for watching and thank you for listening uh, and that's going to be that's going to be it for me hey The Duke Learns Things podcast is supported primarily on Patreon. So head to patreon.com forward slash sirduke33 if you want to contribute to the show.